Today's episode is presented by Advanced Recruiting Intelligence, ARI. Visit ARIRecruiting.com to see how college coaches are using this new technology to be smarter recruiters. And now, it's time for the show. That's right, it's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, author, speaker, and college recruiting expert, Dan Tudor. Coach, hope this finds you having a great week out there. This is Dan. Great to be with you on another edition of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. We have a big one today. By big, I I kind of mean it's just long. It's a it's a big old long podcast episode today. Uh, what I want to give you are segments, some extended highlights on a talk I gave at the American Volleyball Coaches Association, the ABCA. Uh, I go there frequently uh, to talk and to consult and to work one-on-one with coaches. And the leadership of the association developed a great thing that I wish more coaching organizations would do, which is some extended education. It happened before the main conference where I spoke as well. Uh, This was for coaches, head coaches, as well as assistant coaches, to come in and develop some, some advanced career uh, educational uh, foundations. And one of the things that they requested to find out about and to get educated on was branding. How do you brand yourself as a coach? How do you brand your program? And how do you do that within the world of recruiting? Because at that point, when you are trying to define yourself to a prospect who might be somebody who uh, who would be considering your program, it's kind of important to brand yourself and to define who you are and what you're all about. And what we find across athletics is that many coaches kind of drop the ball with this. And not even intentionally, but it's just it gets lost in the mix of the day-to-day grind of recruiting. And so we wanted to take a step back and really offer some advice based on research and and practical methodologies that we've seen at play around college athletics on how you build your brand. So if that's something that you've been wondering about, you're trying to figure out how do I define what appears to be my very average school and my very average facilities and our very average performance on the field, on the court, in the pool, on the track, whatever, um, how do I do that? Well, that's that's what we wanted to talk about because it's something that kind of is a cross-section of a concern for, for basically every coach, at least 99% of you out there. So what I'm going to do is kind of go through some of the concepts that we shared with this crowd. So this is me speaking at the 2019 American Volleyball Coaches Association in December of 2019. I really hope it helps. I hope that it generates some thinking and conversation within your office, with your staff, to figure out what do we need to do differently and what is it that maybe we're dropping the ball on now. So let's jump right into it with this talk about branding in recruiting and your program development. Here's what we talked about. Who knows somebody in volleyball that maybe either you don't know them personally or maybe you do know them personally who was a great coach, worked hard, uh, became a head coach at a program, they finally got their shot, they go to that program, work the same way that they've worked everywhere else, they go there, um, they struggle, struggle some more, another year or two, and then they're fired. They were great everywhere, 
But then they go to that school and all of a sudden they're not a, they, they don't succeed the way that they have maybe as an assistant or associate head coach or a head coach at a smaller school. Who knows somebody like that directly or at least out in the volleyball world where you've seen coaches that seemingly have everything that it takes but they go to that school and then they fail. Everybody knows somebody like that. What happened? We know what happened. What happened was they never learned how to recruit. They didn't know how to brand their program. They didn't know how to tell their story. It wasn't anything to do with their volleyball skill. So much of what we're gonna talk about is going to depress you and not be inspirational because I'm about to add a whole bunch of, just a crap load of stuff to your life that now you're going to have to wanna do if you wanna be successful in this day and age that you coach it. So that's my job, is to be a little bit of a downer guy, but then give you the path to, to be able to do that. Because we have seen coaches figure it out that, have, that they've modeled it, modeled it for us, where they've gone out and they have done it the right way, and we get to talk to them, maybe be behind the scenes with them, and we get to then take the structure of what they did and talk to other coaches about it. Hard to do that here at a convention where you bump into somebody and they're doing great, Tell me your recruiting secrets. They're not gonna tell you the recruiting secrets, but we can because we don't have to name the programs. There's three of you in the room that are clients of ours, so we work with you. You know not to tell anybody else in the room that you're clients, because that's not the point of our work. Our work is to work behind the scenes with people and then let all of you take the credit for what you get to do on the court. But we can take the principles that we see working and give them to you, uh, and, and, and that's what we wanna do today. So that coach that I mentioned that maybe struggled, they were good, uh, started off on their career path, and, and everything seemed to be set up well, but they didn't do well. That recruiting trail uh, in the Old West was deadly. You went off on a dusty trail in the Old West, and sometimes you didn't come back, and that's what happens to a lot of coaches in recruiting, being able to tell their story. They were equipped as a volleyball coach. They weren't equipped as a recruiter, as a storyteller, as a marketer as a sales professional, that's what everybody in the room is. That's who you are, that's the core part of your job. So we want you to understand by the next hour and a half uh, what it takes to do that, or at least the beginning steps of that that you can take back and then build from there. So the first interaction of today, I, the question I have for you, uh, since you're the guinea pigs, and this is an experiment of the ABCA that you're now involved with, um, just a couple of quick things when it comes to this whole idea of branding, recruiting, storytelling. What would make this an amazing time for you today? This session for the next hour and a half, what would make it something unexpectedly good? What would you need to come away and understand? This is the participatory part, by the way. Yes. I guess uh, coming from assistant to head coach to coming the closer in my mind. Okay. Okay. So becoming the closer. If you're a sales professional, lots of different sales movies uh, that, that have been done where you have to close. It's fun to market, it's fun to do this stuff on social media and bring them to campus and they're happy and you get to meet their parents and everything. At some point, you have to teach them how to make the decision. You have to direct them how to say yes or no. That's a lot of times what the coach that I mentioned that went somewhere thought they'd be successful, you thought they'd be successful and they weren't successful, it's because they never learned how to have an athlete, teach an athlete, to say it's yes or no. So the closing part, I think, is essential. 
Now, we're talking about branding. Isn't it interesting that that automatically goes with branding? Because the whole point of developing a brand is so that they're ready to what? Make a decision to come play for you. You have to help close them. That doesn't, this is not forcing them, by the way. Because if I'm at New Haven, D2, I can't force or trick somebody to come to a Division II school or a D3 or you're struggling D1 or whatever your situation is. I can't trick or force somebody to do that. They're making decisions on how to do that. Today is uh, the early signing day for football. So all over the country, football players are faxing in their decisions. And you get all the live coverage um, uh, all over the country of what's, what's going on. Proof that football coaches are struggling with this idea of how to brand and how to sell and even how to close is that you have teenage boys at tables on live television with three or four different hats sitting on them, waiting until the final seconds to pick up the hat and tell the coach where I'm going. That's ridiculous, but coaches have allowed that to happen. So to close, it's really about you controlling the situation and taking that brand, and is that brand strong enough to, to get them to want to play for you? So that, excellent, we'll, we will talk about that. What else would be on your list that you would want to come away with today? Yeah. Yeah. So, branding our location, that sucks. <laughs> or your facility, or your record, the program, whatever. I mean, everybody has one. Everybody has something that they struggled with, okay? So, it got mentioned by Kathy that Beth at Utah went through three different conferences, now in the Pac-12. At every point in turn, I would imagine, there were things that she had to redefine because coming into the Pac-12, having worked with some different programs at Utah over the years, great opportunity, but now we're at the bottom of the Pac-12. We're undefined. Some people don't even know the first two or three years that we're in the Pac-12. We have to, so everybody has the problem of that one thing that we gotta rebrand. We have to figure out how do we talk about that. And some coaches have the solution, I'm just not gonna talk about it. The dorms are horrible. They smell, they're old, haven't been updated. I'm just not even going to show our kids the dorms. I'm going to explain why that's wrong and why the brand that we're talking about, if you're going to brand something, it needs to be positive, yes, but you also might need to account for what are the negatives and how do we explain those negatives. So absolutely we'll do that. As a core part of it, actually today, that's part of what I want to talk about, so it's very relevant. What else would you put on the list? Yeah. Delegation. Okay, so organization, also delegation. You know, delegating things to now your assistant coaches that you did as an assistant coach. You know. Right. Okay, delegation, organization, who does what? Because if you're a head coach or a very talented assistant coach, you've gotten really good at what you do on a regular basis and how you uh, built your career and maybe the programs you've been involved with. And the easiest thing to do is to say, you know what, I know how to do it, I'm just gonna keep doing it myself. And yet, you have all these other new responsibilities now as a lead assistant, as an associate head coach, as a new head coach of a program. How do you take that and delegate organizationally to make sure that the brand that you've developed is still something that, uh, that, that is going to, to carry out and play forward and, and, and help you? What else? You put on the list. Yep, in the back. Uh, having a program that 
history historically loses in fighting with other institutions in your conference that have long histories of winning? Okay, so the competitors are winning, we're losing, how do we sell that? The competitor has a better facility, newer facility, we have an older one, how do I sell that? The competitor has a mall and a 12-screen movie theater within walking distance across the street from our campus, we're 30 miles from a Walmart, how do we, how do we sell that? Again, that's part of the brand, that's part of the whole branding message. And we will we'll talk about this. So just from those four comments, understand that when we talk about branding, these aren't grand sort of in the air, optional, fluffy ideas that may or may not make an impact in how you recruit. This goes straight to the essential parts of recruiting. How do we brand ourselves at our school with our program, dealing with the objections that we've talked about here, either you know, the, the location or our, you know, taking over a program or have a, a team or a program that's struggling right now. How do we do, how do we take that into account and, and make that part of the brand? That's what we want to talk about. So I think we'll make it a, a good day for you. Okay, so the easiest way that we've probably, in the last five or six years especially, think about branding is social media. Social media is very interactive, it's visual. Um, that's what all your kids and players are, uh, are involved with is social media. And I think that's great. Social media definitely has a role in branding. The problem is becoming though, that just like everything else in their lives, the messaging that comes across social media is so frequent, so intense, it's always changing, that what coaches are finding more and more, the, the message that we put out on social media isn't getting seen. It's not having the same impact that it did immediately when Snapchat first came out, or when Instagram was first a thing, uh, or when Twitter was first a thing. It's starting to lose that, and that's quietly uh, making coaches nervous because that's been such a core uh, way of communicating with, with prospects. Um, so how do you stick out in that you know, uh, in that noisy, uh, uh, brand-filled world. Um, because you have the same, the same kind of challenge, or, or as a volleyball coach in your program, you have the same uh, responsibility or the same task ahead of you that every one of these brands has. It's how do we break through and get the customers that we want, the players that we want, through the message, through the brand that we talk about, how do we do that when there's all of this stuff being pummeled at them? You are recruiting the most marketed to generation in the history of mankind. At every level, they're being inundated with messages from the time they wake up till the time they go to sleep and everything in between, they're bombarded with messages. And what that has taught them is I kind of go through and it's hard now for them to sit and watch something for more than 10 minutes. It's hard for them sometimes to pay attention to a drill for more than 10 minutes. And it's not your fault. It's not even really their fault. It's, it's how their brains have been wired through all of this communication. The problem is, so the challenge for you is that you as a coach now have to break through and brand yourself and communicate with them in a way that fits this method of how they've taken, how they've learned to take in information. 
So the big brands have, are learning and are constantly trying to relearn how to do that. Most coaches don't do that. That's why there's only 25 of you in this room. Of all the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of college coaches, 25 of you said, yeah, I, I'm going to come and spend a little extra time learning about this. Now, that's true for pretty much any industry in the world. There's always that top 5 or 3% that do the extra stuff to learn, to be equipped, to, to be better at what they do. That's you, so congratulations. I'm not worried about anybody else that's not here. I want to make sure that by the time you leave, you're great. And what makes you great is making sure that you know how to brand yourself. So, the facts that you need to know about this generation and where you sit in the messaging that, that takes place is that these kids have more noise coming at them than ever before from all of the different methods and ways they take in information. Social media, yes, but also the whole branding message that they, that they, um, that they deal with is what are their parents saying? What about the club coach? Because the club coaches have an opinion about you, and if you've probably noticed, they tend to talk to their athletes about their opinion of you. That's sometimes good, sometimes bad. So they're listening, that becomes part of the noise. When they come on to campus, they're looking for certain things from you, and a lot of coaches don't give the athletes exactly what they want when, it, when they come on campus, so then they revert back to their own thought life, their own definition of messaging, and that becomes hard. So as a, as a core understanding, I want you to understand that there is more noise than ever before in their world, which affects you because you're trying to break through that noise. The other thing that I would say is that in this world that we live in now, all that's left is your ability to communicate. If all the platforms you need your facilities are good. The, 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 uh, the coaching knowledge that you have is top notch. Any of you probably could be inter, uh, replace anybody else in a program at a school and you'd be able to jump in right away and coach volleyball. So if you look at all the things that your competitors are doing and all the things that you're doing in recruiting, what's left? All that's left is the coach, the staff, the program that communicates the best is probably going to win. That's all that's left. Your ability to communicate is the final thing that is the piece of the puzzle that will determine whether you win or whether you lose long term. Your ability to communicate. That's personal one-on-one -on -one verbiage uh, communication. What you write to them, visually what you present to them, the experience that you give them, all that is communication. I'm wrapping all that into that term. That's the only thing, folks, that is left in your world that is the differentiator. Everything else is so equal. Your location even. We mentioned um, coaches that might struggle with location. Well, if I'm a kid and I want quiet and I want um, removed from the city, I want something small, your location is perfect. For everybody? No. The coaches in, in the middle of cities struggle with the fact that they don't look like a college campus and feel like a college campus. So that's their location struggle. You're marketing, you're trying to find who is going to fit your, your place, your brand. So if you have a small, out-of-the-way school or a rural school, that needs to be branded as a positive, and why would I want to come here, okay? That's the reason. We're in the middle of a city, and by the way, it's kind of dangerous if you cross the street. Don't do that after midnight, because it gets dangerous over on, you know, across the street from that. That needs to be part of your brand, that you're in the middle of a city. 
And there are some advantages to that. That comes down to your ability to communicate that. There are three forms of communication in your world in recruiting. Three forms of communication. The written word, video, and audio. The written word, video, and audio. That's all you have. You can't run commercials. You can't do trade shows. Uh, you know, as as a uh, as a vendor to come get uh, good athletes to come play volleyball for you here. Those types of communications are what you have to work with, and I want to make sure that as you brand things, you're using each one of those, not just one, but you're using each one of those. We have learned over the years that consistency is key. Part of what you're able to do as a recruiter is consistently be out in front and communicate with that athlete. Consistency is the key. Your athletes would define that. Some of you already know this. If you, if you read anything that we've written over the last 15 years, the data is pretty clear that athletes want you to have an outbound message to them that says one of two things. That answers one of two questions. Here's why you should come here, number one. Number two, here's how we're better than your other choices. Those are the two things they're trying to figure out from you. Consistently doing that, in their mind, means every six to nine days, you're putting something in front of them that says, here's why, we're, here's why you should choose us, or here's how we're better than your other choices. And you can couch what you have around that message, but folks, those are the two core things that your kids are trying to figure out, and most coaches never get around to answering that question. And that's why, if you're a football coach, sometimes you watch your recruits on national TV sitting with your hat and three other hats on the table, and you don't know which one they're gonna pick because you haven't answered that question. So consistency, over and over and over, repeated over a long period of time is key. How many times have you been watching progressive insurance commercials in your life flow? 15 years, 20 years? You've grown, some of you have grown up watching flow. Why does progressive keep her, keep the same storyline, keep the same characters, and they keep buying commercial after commercial after commercial after commercial after commercial. Why do they do that? Because they know you haven't bought their insurance yet, and they want you to buy their insurance, and they have to keep coming at you. So if you're a coach, and your recruiting plan involves, I'm gonna send an initial standard form letter out, and a couple of email updates, and we're gonna call a bunch of times and get you to campus, and then get you to campus and ask you to, to, to come here, and then we'll wait for your decision. If that is your recruiting plan, you're not going to be working as a volleyball coach at any significant level for any significant period of time. Those days are done, folks. Can't do it. You just can't do it. If you're a Division three coach, and your job, part of your job is numbers, your athletic department, your admissions department wants you to bring in numbers, that's not gonna do it. You're a top-level Division I coach. You have to be consistent. Because other coaches, you want them being lazy so that when you recruit consistently, it stands out. Consistency is the key. Look at any marketing plan, any corporation, any commercial, that's why you see it so much. That's why you just walk past the same billboards so many times. You're seeing the same message over and over because marketers know that we need to hear something five or six or seven times before we even start to think about maybe purchasing it down the road. And some of you still don't have the insurance they want you to buy, so they're still gonna go at you. You need to do the same thing as a coach. 
You have to, and I mentioned this earlier, convincing recruits that you are better than their other choices is so important now. Now, that does not mean you negatively recruit against a competitor. Don't believe in that. I think it doesn't provide long-term benefits and it's just unethical. But convincing recruits that you're better than their other choices is part of the way that you want to define your brand. That's one of the core missions of defining a brand. We have to convince them that making the choice to come play for us is better than the choice to play for somebody else. This next decade, by the way, all of you now are going to have to become movie producers. You have to think like a movie producer. You're creating storylines. You're creating methods of how to tell that story. I wish you didn't have to do that. And I'm sorry that I have to be the one to maybe emphasize to you today that that's what's coming. But over the next decade, that's what's going to define good coaches. This is now a part of your job description, is how well do you recruit? Yes, but what is recruiting? It's developing that brand, communicating that brand, telling a story around why should they come and compete for your program who's struggled recently, or that is in a bad location, or that doesn't have the new facility, or that just came to the tournament and made the final eight or the final four for the first time in a long time or ever. There's stories around that. And folks, that's how we buy stuff in America. We buy it based on a story. That's why progressive insurance tells a story. That's why insurance now to compete with that is Dennis Quaid telling a story. All of you, it has to be more than just reciting facts. It has to be that recruit engaging with you in a way that feels like there's a personal relationship, that they know you, so that that becomes then part of your brand. So again, thinking like a movie producer or a talk show host, that's, that's the mentality you have to have now when you're recruiting. The great thing is, the good news, nobody has leverage over you any longer. There's no, nothing preventing you from starting your own podcast. Who has a podcast that they do for yourself or as your program as a volleyball coach? That's free. You can start this afternoon. You don't, you, does everybody have a smartphone with a microphone on it? It records. You can post that to the internet immediately. What if your recruits every week heard you talk about the program, heard you interview other athletes on the team? Wouldn't that be powerful? Wouldn't you have wanted that? It's free. Do that. Do that. You can post live video of every, any moment in your day. You can go live on video, and it costs you zero. That's amazing. We started 15 years ago. You know the main complaint 15 years ago was, for those of you that have been coaching for a while, is I, I can't get anything up on our website because our sports information director takes a week to do it, and it's that was the complaint. That was preventing coaches 15 years ago from being great communicators. You can communicate in an instant for free, visually, with video, every aspect of your life. You could go live with what you're eating for lunch every single day if you wanted to do that. Cost nothing. And it reaches potentially thousands of people. Leverage is gone. You're in charge of your own ship. You have to, you have to do that. You have to become of the mindset that I'm going to get creative in the way that I, uh, that, I, that I produce a message. Remember the three forms of communication, written word, visual, and audio. Audio is going to be one of the next big things over the next 10 years. Do you notice as you're walking through airports, people are on FaceTime talking to each other? 
But you know what the big trend in FaceTime now is? I'm not looking at your face, I'm just listening to the audio, but I called you so that I can glance over at you every once in a while. I see people doing this all the time. In airports, I'm in a lot of airports, they're walking around they're, and they're talking like this. And I see, because they're holding the phone like this, I behind them can see who they're talking to, but they're not looking at it, they're just doing the audio. We're becoming listeners. Yes? Of those three forms of like communication with them, is there a balance? Like you say like one is more important than the other, one needs to be, if you're talking about audio, yeah. more than visual. Is I don't think there's a, a percent, that's a great question. I don't think there's a certain percentage of each that needs to be, each one needs to be 33% of your message. Um, you might be more comfortable doing video stuff. You might be more comfortable writing. So make that, you know, 40% or 50% of, I think what coaches, what I've seen the state coaches make is they trend towards whatever their favorite is. So if I'm a good writer, I'm going to write a lot. I like writing. Or I'm really good on the phone, so I'm only going to do phone calls. And I'm going to ignore all the other stuff because I don't want to learn it. I'm not really good at it. I don't like it. Can't do that anymore. So it's, it's really just, the, it has to be a little bit of something of everything, which we'll get to later. Your, your recruits actually answer that question for you. We'll get to that about what they want and what they see as being, uh, being relevant. But the, the point is, unlike 10 or 15 years ago, the limits are off. You have all these forms of communication to use. Start using them, okay? If you haven't gotten the message already, this is not fun, uh, creative, you know, all creative um, work. This is a grind. This is, you're in the mine, you are, picking up the, the axe, you are chopping stone, and it's grimy, dirty work. But it, that means there's a mindset that you have to take with that. If we're gonna develop a brand, if I'm gonna force you or convince you to develop this brand that I'm suggesting you develop, you have to have the mindset to do it. Because, and look, I'm realistic, there's 25 in the room. If seven of you take this and develop something from it, I'm gonna be happy. And another seven of you are probably gonna say, I'll try a little bit, it's gonna be slower, but you'll try a little bit. And then there's gonna be another 10 that just say, well, that's not for me, I can't do that. So you have to decide which group you're gonna be in, but for the seven of you that really attack it, the mindset is important. Because this is gonna demand some extra time. You're gonna to have to restructure the way that you recruit, the way that your day looks, okay? you have to decide that you're serious about developing your brand. This is not something off the side, oh yeah, it'd be fun to, to uh, you know, think about this in the off season, develop a little brand. The brand is everything, coaches. That, that formulates what you talk about in a daily or weekly recruiting message. It formulates how you showcase your campus. Because if I have a bad location or old facilities, I have to come up with a way to tell that story when they're on campus and seeing face-to-face -face the stuff that we have talked about in a written word, audio, or visually. So decide that you're serious about it. That's the first step to this mindset. Decide that you're serious, commit to it. The other thing, from an organizational standpoint, determine the amount of time you're willing to dedicate to it. Is that 10 minutes a week? I'll take it. Is it an hour every other day? I'll take that, absolutely. What is that chunk of time that becomes a non-negotiable, it's on the calendar, blocked out, no matter what else comes in. We as a staff are going to talk about our brand. In the same way that a CEO, a corporation, a focus group would talk about that, we're going to do that as a staff. We're going to be on a brand message. 
How much time are we willing to put into that? Acknowledge also that this is life or death. From a career standpoint, this will determine if you're coaching and we get to get together for whatever ACE looks like in the year 2029. And you're all a part of it. And I get to come back. I hope you're here. I want you to be here. You're, you work in the greatest profession in America. You're in the, you work in the toy store of American business. You have to be a coach. It's fun. But there's also responsibility that comes with that now. And the stakes get raised over and over year after year. And I want you to make sure that you're there. So this is all very serious, and it takes that mindset. Um, we just finished celebrating Thanksgiving. Hopefully you had a good Thanksgiving with friends or family. Um, a quick couple of facts that in the same way that you are the pilgrims on the Mayflower, the Mayflower, that's an actual artist rendition of what it probably looked like, it was the size, it took up the space. I just learned this, I think it's fascinating. Direct application for you. Do you know the space that it took up was almost the exact size of a volleyball court? It wasn't a big ship. They were on that thing for 66 days, and it was the size of a volleyball court, about 104 passengers, 30 crew. Three different levels. A third of the, a third of the people were children, going 66 days across the ocean, packed into the size of a volleyball court, 140 people. Nobody died. Actually, the only person that died was a crew member. None of the pilgrims died. Hey, they spent, the other thing I learned, they spent 12 years in Holland before they set course to, uh, to North America. They spent 12 years in Holland preparing for the trip. 12 years. So the mindset of survival for them was built in before they took this trip. And I'm not saying that uh, it's life and death in that same way for you, but I want you to take it really, really important. This thing that we're talking about has to be a core part of how you operate as a program moving forward. Certainly if you're a head coach, how you organize your program. This is really, really vital, really vital, because it is serious, unglamorous, time-consuming, and also the most important aspect of your coaching career. So if I've sold you on the mindset it takes and that you're in for, for this drooling idea of developing a brand, here's how we do it. We first do it by understanding how your kids, how your players are buying. This is a buying decision. Uh, if you're a D3, you're asking them to not only buy into playing for you, but also maybe paying 15, 20, $30,000 to come to your school and pay for you, which, by the way, was not what the club coach has been selling them the last eight years. That was supposed to pay for school, and now you're asking me, coach, to come and pay twenty or thirty thousand dollars so that I can play volleyball for free for you? That's why it's so hard at Division Three. Division Two, wouldn't give you a little athletic money, but wait, you can't give the full scholarship, and now you're not as good as the D three academically because um, you're right next door to Yale. I got Yale and New Haven. You're D two. They're D one. Wait, that. Tough part of the country to recruit in if you're a D2 because there's a certain expectation uh, academically. And D1, same thing. You have, you, have, you have to get them to buy into the idea that they're going to come play for your program when you may not have as good a facility as at the BCS school. Or you're at the BCS school and you are struggling. You're in the lower part of your conference. I need you to understand the mindset that they take to go into this buying decision. We know that it's a balance. At the start of the process, 
They decide with their heart, I want to go play for that team. I decide with my heart, but I have to justify it with my head. It has to be something that at the end of the day, it makes sense. And I'm able to at least tell myself, this is a smart decision. So a lot of times they will fall in love with the program, but the coach, through recruiting, through the brand that they don't develop, never gets around to proving why that's a smart decision. And it doesn't allow the athlete to make the final decision. That's why some of you, maybe it's you, maybe it's coaches that you uh, know, I've heard a recruit say, Coach, man, I love you. Girls on the team are great. You're the easiest coach to talk to. That's why it is so hard to tell you, I just committed to the other program over there. Why? They had their heart, but it was never justified why this is a smart decision. Some coaches, it's all logic. Well, of course you want to play for us. Look, we just built the new facility. We finished third in the conference. Went to the tournament for the first time in our conference tournament. We're, we're on the way up. All logical things, but if I don't think you like me, or I'm not sure if you like me as a coach, and I don't get to know your team, and there's not the emotional side, I can't make the decision. So it's both. It's a balance. It's a balance. So part of your brand has to account for each side of that. Understanding that they buy with their heart and with their head, you have to account for that. Nobody else can do it. Your admissions department can't do it. Your competitors certainly aren't gonna do it for you. That's how they buy, though. It is a balanced deal. So the question you don't need to answer for me here, knowing that what we've talked about so far, how this generation has changed, how have you changed your approach? What are the things that in the last two or three years you've added to the way that you either recruit, tell your story, market yourself? What have you done differently knowing that this generation has changed so much? If you're having trouble coming with an answer, what I'd love for you to write on your sheets are things that would be priority points of what do we need to look at? What do we need to change going into this next recruiting class? The worst thing that can happen is if nothing changes, if you can't think of anything, you know, how we've changed our approach to account for the way kids make decisions differently and just the drastic nature of the shift in attention that they, uh, that they uh, have. If we can't, as a coach, name the things, how we've adjusted, then take some time to make sure you do that. And even if you don't know the questions to ask, or I don't know how to, how to change that, write those questions down to go back and talk about it with your staff, your head coach, or your assistant coaches. Because that's, that's part of redefining your brand. Okay? How they buy. We know a couple of different things specific to volleyball of how they buy. They're making buying decisions based on what others will likely say about them. Who are the others? The others are, the others are um, their parents. The others are the other girls of their club. The parent, uh, the, uh, the others are the club coach. Because let's say I want to go and play for your struggling program who's not gonna be very good next year, but I just love the girls on the team. I like the location. There's something about the way you interact with me that, that I think is, uh, is, is right on. How do I, how do I, I look at that and how do I make that, that buying decision? I'm gonna have to first get past the idea that when I tell people I'm going to play for your team with your deficiencies, what are they gonna say? And if I don't have the answers of 
when they say, well, why did you, you're playing for them? Why are you playing for them? Because weren't you getting recruited by this school and this school? If I don't have the answer to that, I'm not gonna come play for your school, more than likely. Unless I have just a very strong disposition and I don't care what other people think. But if I don't have the answers to that, it's gonna to be tough. So, are you giving them the answers? That's why, going back to the consistency, that's why it's so important, that consistency is so important that you're always understanding why they should play for you. And that becomes part of that brand. But understand that they're basing these decisions with the idea in the back of their mind of, what are they going to say about it? And by the way, we think that works. If that's true for the kids, triple it for the parents. Because the parents have the younger daughter who's playing club also. They're going to go back to the same club, sit in the stands, and they know instinctively their friends are going to turn around and say, hey, your daughter, I heard she went and she's, she committed to over there. Why? Why, why? why is she playing there? Weren't you getting recruited by this school and this school? As a parent, we have to have the answers to that. If you've never talked to me as the coach and you haven't branded that program for me as the parent, I don't know how to answer that question to my friends who I want to impress and I'm gonna have trouble saying yes to that program. That's why there are some parents and a lot of club coaches that are more than happy for your good kids to do the walk-on at the better higher division level school versus taking the partial scholarship with a non-athletic scholarship and playing from day one at your smaller school. They're more than happy with that. More than happy with that. Okay, the other thing is they're trying to figure out why your brand is better. We talked about that already. They're, what we find with this generation is they understand where you're at and what you have, great. I've checked those boxes. Now you're in my final five. How are you better than my other four? And again, we don't want you to, to negative recruit but we want you to define and use the words. Here's why you're going to be, we're going to be better than your other choices. Draw the line in the sand and make them prove you wrong. I'll say it again. Draw the line in the sand and make them prove you wrong. Academically, we, we're going to do a better job than everybody else of getting you into the career that you want right out of school. I can either believe that or not, but if you don't tell me, I don't have anything to go on. And I have to then do my own justifications. They're defining your brand based on the way that you interact with them. Folks, this is the only thing that they have to go on. And I feel sorry for them in some ways. The only thing they have to go on is the emails you're sending, the letter that you sent, what they see on social media, the phone calls and text messages. They might get a chance to come to campus, but they are defining your brand based on the interaction. They're defining the brand based on the interaction. So your interaction with them is the thing that, that, uh, that's really going to define and, and make a major piece of that, uh, that brand. But again, the interaction, that, that really becomes part of your brand. You can't, you, there's limits on what you can do at, from an advertising standpoint, it's the experience and the interaction. That's why it's important that you hit all these different ways of communicating because you're, you're great at video and putting visuals up on social media, but I might be more of somebody who reads and takes that information that way, or vice versa. Um, for volleyball, 68% of your prospects are swayed behind the scenes by coaches and family. Huge number. Swayed could mean, you know what, don't go visit there, I don't think they're a good school, to look at between these three, don't pick those two, pick this one. We hear that all the time. So the marketing, the branding that you do, 
we've established you need to do it with the athletes, you need to do it with the parents, you also need to do it with the coaches, the club, high school coaches that you deal with. For what, you know, the, the interaction that, that uh, the, the, um, uh, the input you just got from a club coach, they're influential behind the scenes, they have an opinion, and the parents who paid all the money to go be a part of the club is looking to the club coaches for the advice. We haven't gone through this before, what should we do? And you've branded yourself as a legitimate choice for that coach, that's gonna benefit you. Okay, they are looking to be led. This generation is looking for somebody to lead them. Somebody. Let me give you a situation just to prove that they're looking to be led. Um, you have a kid, and this may have happened to you before, athlete that comes to your school, great visit, you're in their top three, it's looking good, they talk about maybe coming back for a second visit, um, you know, in a couple of weeks. They have these other visits going on, they go to another school, they call you, regular call that happens every other week, and you're talking to them, coach, man, I love you, that's why you're on my list because, you know, just interact with you so well, I love the girls on the team, the visit, I love the dorms, oh my gosh, the dorms are fantastic. Hey coach, I've been trying, I committed to the other school last weekend. Wait, what, why? Well, the other coach said I needed to, they were gonna take my offer away or take my roster spot away if I didn't commit, and so I had to commit. Now, you've been the nice, professional, um, ethical person over here, giving them their space, plenty of time, we'll wait, make your decision, and the jerk over at the other school, what has he or she done? We need your decision, here's why, yes or no. Now, why do most kids gravitate to making the decision with that coach? This gets back to the closing, how to become a closer. This is the coach closing. That coach finally told that athlete, here's how you do it. Here's how you make your decision. And I wish I could give you more time, but you don't have more time. So is it us or not, yes or no? Tough for these kids to tell coaches no, or any adult no, and so they say yes, because somebody finally told me how to do it. I'm not suggesting that you become that coach, but if there's some aspect of that that makes sense, is there a way where you can lead them to making a decision? That's the point, yeah. Quick question, so what do you do in these situations, and most of us have to deal with them, Recruit goes to you and say, well, I like you, you're my number two choice. So mm -hmm. you move on or you still focus on trying to rebrand yourself to show the upsides? Right, so the question was, just in case you didn't hear, the recruit says, I like you, coach, you're my number two choice if I don't get in over over, over here. Yeah, I mean, do you move on or you just, okay, fight for that recruit? Yeah, so I, far be it from me, I can't teach your, your outside hitter to, to, to hit better. I'm certainly not gonna tell you to walk away from that athlete. I think what you need to do to make the assessment is um, when, when it's you versus that number one, um, I could take the strategy of saying, okay, I don't, I don't think they are going to get into that school. Maybe academically it's gonna be a stretch or they think they're gonna go to that D1, but I know they're, they're not. They're not gonna, they're, they're, other coaches are just recruiting them and the kids misinterpreting things. I might say, hey, great school. I can see why they're recruiting you. Um, so can we be your official backup choice? Could we be the school that if it doesn't work out there, you're committing to us in that event? Okay, yeah, that, that sounds good, Coach. Maybe I can do that. That might be one way to handle it. The other thing is um, if it's, if they're willing to tell you 
coach, you're number two on the list. That's a great sign because most of the time a disinterested athlete will, will hold that back. I think what you do then is say, okay, so walk me through what are the things that you think you like better about them? What are the things that you are, um, that, that you have them, uh, oh, you know, just, uh, um, what, are the, what are the ways that they're presenting better or that, that you like better about them? And get the athlete to talk. Um, that's the short answer, and then it becomes very specific you know, to that athlete and what exactly you're, yeah. you're dealing with. But I don't think you walk away automatically. Okay, so for defining everything, um, how do you define the brand? Because understanding how they buy, great, but now we have to start defining the brand and understanding that brand. I'm gonna give you a very simple um, matrix to use to, to do that. And the way that I want you to, to look at this is, if this is broken up into nine spaces, I want you to give thought to every month having a core theme or a core group of messages with a, um, uh, with a core part of that brand that gets explained uh, and do that over a nine month period. And then if you're still recruiting that same athlete, then, then just repeat, you know, come up with another nine or the, even the same nine is fine. But I want you to break up your message because what, what happens a lot of the time is that a coach will say, we've got all these great things at our school, I'm gonna jam it all in this email, or I'm gonna throw a bunch on social media, or I'm gonna talk about everything at once on the phone, about our location, the new facility, how we did this year, um, our academics, and you see letters going out like that. Kids aren't taking in information like that anymore. They're not developing brand awareness by everything being thrown at them. It's little things one at a time that they're looking for that's what they're trying to, um, that, that's what they're, they're, um, they're looking for. So, if we had to pick out the most, the, the nine that I would say are the most effective things to talk about first as a part of your brand story, however you're gonna do this, this would be letter, an email, social media, your conversation, what you focus on, the, um, on campus with. The first thing at the core of everything is what your top objection is. Um, our location, I don't think it's that good. Or we get a lot of objections about that. Or we haven't had a winning season in a while. I want you to make that the thing that you define first for this generation of recruits that you're recruiting. The thing that you're struggling with the most or that is the negative on campus. For this reason, I need a lot of time to absorb and come to the idea of why that's not such a big deal. So we're not trying to make it into a positive. What we're trying to do is negate it. We're trying to make it neutral. We're trying to take it off the table as a decision-making factor. So the thing that, that I want you to do is pick whatever our top objection is, our dorms, location, the history of the program, whatever it is, that's the first thing that we talk about. I'm always gonna come back and with the idea that this should not be the reason you don't come here. What happens most of the time and what the other 98.9% .9 of volleyball coaches who aren't in this room today are gonna make the mistake of doing is avoiding it altogether. Our dorms are horrible, our kids hate them, or at least I hate them as an adult, I wouldn't wanna go back to live in them. And we're just not gonna to talk to them. We'll figure out a way, we'll keep them at the hotel, we won't even have them go to the dorms. I don't like the dorms. Okay, when you're doing that, understand that you're doing two bad things. Number one, you are, you're giving up definition of that to somebody else and that person is likely your competitor and all I have to do is the coach recruiting against you if you're that coach that I just described 
is say, oh, okay, you visited uh, so-and-so over there. Did she show you the dorms? She didn't. She never does. They're horrible. I can, I, I, I'm shocked that she didn't show you that. But, you know, here, let me come see our dorms. That's all I have to do. And now you're the liar who's trying to trick them. And what, do, what were you keeping from me at the dorms? So not showing them or talking about the negative is not the way to do it. Yes? Do you ever adjust this based on maybe an initial phone call with them? They bring up something that you think, ooh, this could be a negative? Or do you kind of have like a set objection that you address? So the question was, do you ever adjust it? So they bring up something that maybe you say, ooh, okay, that could be a negative. I would say no, only you have to define it. So it might be something not as dramatic as I hate our dorms. Maybe it's just distance from home. Um, wow, Coach, you're, I'm from uh, North Carolina. I don't know that I could go all the way up to the Northeast. That's a lot farther. I'm looking for more you know, schools here in the Atlantic area, maybe as far as Virginia, but I don't know if I could go up to, you know, as, as, you know, up to New Haven, Connecticut. Um, I need to understand that and start explaining why that shouldn't be part of their, the reason they don't come there. It's actually not that far. However you're gonna do it. So um, I, I don't think you ever ignore it. Um, I think it becomes, especially if it's something that they mention, then that's something that we would, we would want to put a lot of attention to because we know now what one of their major decision-making factors is. So your top objection could be the first thing, it should be the first thing that you talk about. Where you are, your location, why is that a benefit? Why, why is that part of, part of the story that you, um, that, uh, that you go out and tell? Where are you? Location city, the advantages to that, maybe even if it's within a certain area, the specific location of campus within that area, within that city, why is that an advantage? Life on campus, I need to know as a 17-year-old, 16-year-old, why, is it gonna be fun? You're in a small school. Do you have fun there? How? You're so far away from everything. I'm a city kid. How do you have fun out there 50 miles away from everything? I need definition of that. And most coaches don't ever get into that. They don't think like a 17 or 16-year-old. That's who you're marketing to. That's your customer base. You have to understand how they are, how they're making this decision and what's important to them. Life on campus. Your degree advantages. If I get my degree at your school, why is that better than the school that was also recruiting me over, over there? How are you better? And again, I don't want you to be negative. I don't want you to say they're bad and we're good and here's the reasons. I want you to explain to them, if you come here, let me explain why we're such a good option and why our degree is gonna be a lot better for you compared to a lot of the other places that you look at. Make that, make that case. How do you coach? If I'm a player, a volleyball player that where the sport matters, this is a, big, a significant uh, part of, of my decision, how do you coach? What's your coaching style? What's your philosophy? How are you gonna train me? When I get there as a freshman coach, what is it that, that you're gonna do? I need to know that. That's a, that's a prime way that I'm making my decision as an athlete. How are you going to coach me? And you know what happens? Most coaches, very, very short explanation, overview that doesn't give much information, and so I never learn how you coach. If I don't know how you coach, that then becomes something I wonder about. If I'm wondering about it, thinking about it, I'm always gonna go to a negative place and assume the worst about you in anything, whether it's your coaching style, location, why didn't you show me the dorms? 
these kids, the generation you're recruiting, is negative. So I need to understand and have you define why you coach the way you do and why should that be something that's a positive for me. What about your team, personality of the team? I want to know the, the, the other young ladies on the team. Or if you're men's coach, the other guys on the team. I need to know about your team personality. Talk about that. Where is your program going? The program's future. What is your vision? Especially the next four or five years, what does it look like? And by the way, don't overpromise me, coach, because I'm real good at sniffing out your BS as a kid. I know when you overpromise. Don't overpromise. If you're eighth in the conference, be realistic. I can take it. I just want to know what the plan is. I, and I also want to know how do I incorporate into that plan. But what is that program's future? Academically, so the degree at the end is the end point, but academically, how is it going to be different? By the way, can I do this at your school? Because I, I'm a, I'm a B student at best, and college sort of intimidates me. Are the classes tough? Am I going to have enough time? That's the mind of a 16, 17-year-old kid. I need you to spend a couple of weeks on that theme over and over and over again, explaining how you're going to support me, why it's good at your school academically, why is your academic program better than everyone else. And also the facilities. Look, I'm a player. Whether you have new facilities, old facilities, I want you to talk about it. I want to hear, this is really, really important, Coach. I want to hear from you what you think of your facility. So I get it that it's not new, but do you like it? Do you like it? I was speaking at another school, and I was, um, we were taking a break. <clears throat> I was in another part of the building, and one of the part of the coaches that weren't in the meeting with us, I actually was standing there minding my own business, and a recruiting tour was happening with a coach and two athletes at a D1, Pac-12 school, D1. They were walking by. And the coach, I could tell, was in a hurry. Just the tone of voice, I could tell, I'm, I'm rushing through this. Maybe the kid wasn't important, I'm not sure. Um, but the tone of voice was, I could hear that. Um, the, the, uh, the way that he was doing things, uh, the, the message that he was giving was um, basically like, yeah, it's not the best, but you know, it gets by, we get it done here. And, but just the tone of voice and everything he was saying, was not going to, and I could see it on the look, the, the dad and the kid that were walking around were like, eh, this is not, this is not great. Okay, so they're listening to you. So whether or not you like your facility or not, and I, by the way, I vote yes on all new facilities for everybody. I, <laughs> yes, I, I'm in. But you're not always gonna get them, and while you don't have them, you have to talk positively about the facilities you have, and why you like it there, and all that. So I, I want you to be positive about everything that you have um, and excited about it because that's the one area where they need to hear that you're excited. Okay. So that is a very basic structure to start with in defining the brand. One of the, the pillars I would say is that message goes out every six to nine days. So where you are, your location, let's just say that was going to be what you talk about in January with your next set of recruits. I want you to develop a short, to-the-point message every six to nine days on that same topic week after week after week for all of January. In other words, don't tell them everything at once. Tell them little segments of things. Tie it all together. Have an ongoing conversation. Visually, think about like a text message going back and forth. 
They're little short bursts of information, right? That's how we all communicate by text. That's how they have learned to take in information is through short bursts of information. I don't want the long drawn out email that covers 83 different topics. One thing that talks about the core and then move on to something else and then something else and then something else. Everything that you talk about, whether it's information and everything like that, the other part of this is I want you to be convincing them or to make the case in your, from a brand standpoint, why are you better than my other choices? So the consistency on one side, why, answering that core question, how are you, why are you the better choice? That's what everything has to come back to. If you and your emails, your letters, social media, texting, what, how are you communicating with them, made the case that, so that's another reason why we're going to be better than most of your other choices. I need to hear that. You're a Division three school and you cost $60,000 a year. I, as the parent, need to know why is it good to invest that much money to send my daughter to play volleyball for you. I need to know it's better. Please, somebody tell me that this is a better choice. I'm waiting to be led. That's a big part of this branding. So defining the brand, that's a, a core way to do it. Yes? So the, the question was, I, mean, I might not have nine months to, to tell all this. Um, we know that if you condense the messaging, let me back up a second. We have to be good at this because for the clients we work with, we're producing the messaging that they're sending out to the kids. If we get it wrong, they don't get good recruiting classes, we get fired. So everything I'm about, I'm, I'm telling you the exact way that we formulate it, that every six to nine day is they can absorb it, ask questions back and forth with you while they're, you know, they're, they've read it. And, and many of you notice if you send them an email, sometimes they'll open it up six or seven times, right, in the software that you track them with. I need to give them time to read it over and over and over again. I know you and I don't read our emails six or seven times. They do. They're trying to figure out, what are they saying? Did I miss something? I'm going to go back and read it again and again and again. I need to give them time to do that. I need to give them time to interact with me. And then about the time it's starting to die down, then we come up with another message. If we compact that into, let's say, every other day, because we only have nine months, and, or we only we don't have nine months, but we want nine months worth of stuff, it becomes too much. And what we are telling them, whatever we do get around to telling them, it's not, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't sink in. I need that brand message to sink in. So let's say that you never get around to talk about your volleyball facilities. I'm okay with that because if that's important to them, they're probably going to ask you about it. Hey, coach, we talked about you know location and what you do on campus. That's great. Um, I tried to find some stuff online. I couldn't find your facilities. They, tell me about that. Why, why do you like playing there? They'll jump in and and ask that question. So I don't think there's a specific order. I actually think again after studying the way kids read messages and parentry messages, they're just looking for something. Something specific that they can think about, talk about, and that they can absorb. And that's the key. So it's not, it's not like there's a magic order to it. I just want you to be sending out something. When kids are coming on visits, does this apply as well? Overloading information? Is there something you should be focusing on, taking things out? Yes. Um, that I could literally talk about for two hours. So my quick answer, because the question was, on visits, does that apply in the visits? Are we overloading them possibly with information? 
The answer is absolutely yes. Coaches and colleges do a horrible job at inundating parents and kids with information. Um, so since you asked that, I will put some information together in the notes that I send you on sort of how this applies to campus visits, because uh, don't, we don't, just won't have time to get into it. And I don't want to do a, 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 you know, a halfway job of answering that. But you need to be much more relaxed on visits, absolutely. Okay, so how do we deliver it? We talked about how they buy. We've all bought into the idea, hopefully, that I need to do this. Delivering that brand message, how does that happen? It used to be simple. We used to all gather in front of our three TV channels and we could watch and very simple message because I only have one way to get information or very limited ways. And now, as we've talked about, there are dozens and dozens of ways to get messaging. Delivering your brand message. It starts with getting creative, I think. Um, it also starts with not resisting change. How many, how many had Blackberry before? Hands up. Okay. And do you remember when they started plugging the iPhone and we had to make that switch from a Blackberry to an iPhone? Do you remember what your initial objection was? I can't feel the buttons. I don't want to change because I can't feel the buttons. I was the same way. I didn't want to change. I couldn't feel the buttons. How can I talk about that? I can't feel the buttons. And so, we resisted this new technology for a while, some of us, because we couldn't feel the stupid buttons. And that's how we made our decision to not go to a smartphone, because we couldn't feel the buttons. What a dumb reason. Okay, I don't want you to do that here. So we're gonna talk about ways to deliver the message, and I want you to not fight me on it, because I'm not gonna tell you anything that's not gonna work, okay? Delivering the message. Um, so two warnings or two things that I want you to get past that the coach's version, your version of the way that they or you think it should be, it's hurting you. In other words, the world shouldn't be like this. Kids shouldn't do this. Well, I wouldn't want that. Doesn't matter what you want or the way you would do it. We're marketing to the athletes. Okay, so get past that. Um, and many of you, many coaches around the country don't change the way they do things because of their personal opinion. Doesn't matter, we can't do that, coach. So as we go through these, as we start to close out this, I want you to, to make sure you, you table your opinion. I might share your opinion, by the way. So we have a 13-year-old son, a 20-year-old, a 25-year-old. So I've got all the different uh, generation definitions going on at one time. I agree with a lot of what you're thinking, that I don't like things, but it is what it is. So that's what I want to go through. We mentioned social media and Hands up, you believe that social media is a good thing in terms of communicating your message, yes? See, nods up, hands, good. Um, first thing I want to do to sort of push you, who's heard of TikTok? Who has a team TikTok account? One. And it's the old guy like me in the back. Good job. I have never touched it though, my <laughs> That's fine. I, I'm good with that. Okay. Now. Again, hands up, who's heard of TikTok? Who has a team TikTok account? That's the problem. Change that this afternoon. In between, well, Beth and, and Leah are getting set up for their next thing, download TikTok, please. You need to do this. Why do you need to do this? Because in 2019, it was the number one downloaded app. Number one downloaded app. 1.5 billion downloads, billion downloads in 2019. 1.5 billion, you can't ignore that. 
It is a delivery method, okay? It's a delivery method. Please start a team TikTok, okay? When you do, a couple of different things that make TikTok different, okay? These are all things I pulled up last night, so this is not, you can find this. Um, so if you wanted to know what Nebraska Volleyball is doing there, you'd have to be on TikTok. Um, has almost a thousand likes. How much of your social media gets a thousand likes? Not much, theirs does. They feed it through their Instagram account. So I'm not even saying that you have to always put up a separate social media. You could just tie one to the other. TikTok is a delivery method. That's all, it's just a different channel, that's all. You're, you are a movie producer, remember? Or a network TV producer. All you're doing is putting your stuff on another channel. That's all it is, nothing to be scared of. Um, if you hashtag or look up NCAA Volleyball on, uh, on TikTok, more than half a million views within this last week. More than half a million views. Shouldn't you have your program and hashtag NCAA Volleyball as a part of your branding? Yeah. What about college volleyball? 350,000 views. What about if you were coaching at the, for Florida? 1.5 million views on anything related to the Florida Gators. So if I coach at Florida, don't I want that traffic? Don't I want that, that branding? See, even if I'm not a football coach, which you're not, they're still gonna see everything that's going on with the Florida Gators. Or, you know, one of the popular hashtags for volleyball, volleyball teams. Almost 800,000 views. These, by the way, all these are your recruits on TikTok. All of these are your recruits. These are the kids you're recruiting. Ask your recruits, do they, are they on TikTok? I know what the answer is gonna be. They're part of the 1.5 billion. The problem is, all your hands raised up that you knew about it, one hand went up that you were using it. Please start using it, coach. We wanna brand ourselves. Look, is TikTok gonna be random in three years? I don't know. But what you learn to do and how you learn to brand yourself on TikTok is going to apply to the next thing that comes along. You have to become really good at branding, really good at marketing, okay? Your goal should be the first to adopt new social media platforms. Be the first out of here to launch your new podcast, which costs zero and you can, doesn't need a fancy intro. You can do that. Social media has a very specific recruiting role. It is visual and it, recruits are looking for what is it like to be a player on your team why should I go there? Those are the two things they want to answer through social media. So when they see the Nebraska Huskers dance around on the court, that tells me they have fun there. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, I like that. That's why they're doing it. That's why you should do that. Okay. What's the right overall mix of recruiting communication from a coach out to a prospect? Okay. The class of 2018. So this is last. This is your sophomores now. Answer that question for us. On a scale of 1 to 10, if they measured this, this is how they would break up social media, the important, I'm sorry, the, the forms of messaging, all the different ways that you can communicate with them and brand with them. Look at the variance. What's last on that list, by the way? What ranked the lowest? Social media. They don't use social media to make their final decision. It takes a very important role. It's the visual part, but I don't base it on social media. So those of you in the room that have only... You're only on social media. Kids don't read emails or letters anymore. 
They're all on social media. I'm going to only recruit through social media. You're sacrificing the biggest part of your brand message. Okay. Why do they like letters? Because, and in such a big way, more than social media, because it's proof that you're interested and there's some mystery attached to it because I have to open that letter when I get back in my house. And by the way, I don't know how you did that. I don't know how you sent me the letter because your kids don't know how to use the mail. So when you send them a letter and you do it regularly, you're probably the only one in their entire life that has ever sent them a letter. Don't, don't discount the fact that it's huge for them. It's mysterious and it's proof that, you, that you're serious about it because that took a lot of work. You've sent me paper and there's your signature and I can touch this. I bet some of you that were recruited, you got letters. I bet your mom and dad still have them packed away somewhere or you do. Why don't you throw them away? Why do you throw away those old letters? Because it's proof that you were good. Don't stop sending them mail. Email. I'm able to put it in this little silo over here, and I can get to it when I get to it. It doesn't interrupt my daily life. That's why they, you see them only checking it every four or five or six days. But they check it, and they read it over and over again. And it gives them the ability to have the same kind of conversation by texting. That has to be part of how you deliver your brand message. Social media, it's the visual, and it also tells them what's it like to be an athlete, a volleyball player at that school. Um, if it's a direct message, 50-50 split with this generation. Coach, don't do that. Creepy, I'll, I'll not follow you if you send me a direct message. That will end it. Or, I love that you send me direct messages. That's great, I'm on social media all the time, no problem. You need to ask them which one it is. You need that permission. A phone call. It's the number one way of communicating with them, which is fascinating, isn't it? Because they don't like, they don't like talking on the phone, do they? Very hard to get most kids to talk on the phone. They like it when you talk to them for about five or 10 minutes and then you're done, you do the talking. But it's proof again that you're a real person, you're serious. And text messaging has replaced phone calls. So be comfortable with that, that if I want to communicate with my 25 or my 20 year old daughters, I text them. And they'll text me back and have great conversations. If I call them, it usually goes to the voicemail that's not set up. And then I have to text them again because I forgot I called them instead. Okay, so replace whatever you talk about on the phone, now do it via text, especially at the beginning. Phone calls are great, and you'll probably see a big trend after, uh, after the campus visit. That's when they want to talk on the phone. Okay, delivering that brand message, it goes back to all the different ways. You can't, you can't ignore uh, each one of these topics has to be consistent, has to answer this core question. They're basing, again, what, what did we talk about earlier? This comes full circle. They're basing their buying decisions about what others will say about them. You have to teach them what others are going to say about them in a positive way. They're trying to figure out why your brand is better. How else do you do that except through these delivery methods? They're defining your brand based on the way you interact with them. Make sure you're giving them multiple different platforms to interact with you on. They're swayed behind the scenes by coaches, by parents. I would suggest that you also need to brand yourself and talk to coaches and parents. Have a separate recruiting strategy for coaches and parents. They're looking to be led. You can do that through the writing, messaging, the way that you communicate with them. That's how we make buying decisions. That's how we get led to buy whatever you bought recently. You were led to buy it for a specific reason. So, Coach, that's how we wrapped it up at the American Volleyball Coaches Association, our big talk on branding. 
Hopefully it raised some ideas that you would want to talk about with your staff, maybe even with your department, because a lot of branding, as we as we touched on, involves the athletic department, the school, and how you define that for these recruits. And that often is a team effort, not only just with your sport and your staff, but around campus and certainly within the athletic department. So if it generates conversations and if it gave you ideas to improve and accent in a better way the the brand that you want to define for your prospects, then my work here is done for today anyway. And I really am glad that you listened. We so appreciate you um, tuning in and following the podcast. And I appreciate it when you like the podcast on Google Play or iTunes or Stitcher or whatever you're listening to this on. Uh, that helps us a bunch. And also when you talk to your fellow coaches within the department to tell them that this resource is out there. The bigger the community that we have, the more coaches that we have listening actually helps what you get to listen to because we have more coaches stepping up to share information, techniques, stories, and strategies that work for them. And you get to find out what they're thinking and what they're doing. So we appreciate that. I appreciate you, Coach, and we thank you for listening to yet another great episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. The College Recruiting Weekly Podcast is a production of Tudor Collegiate Strategies, copyright 2016 through 2020. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or stream us on Stitcher, and make sure to tell the coaches in your department about the show. Email the host at dan at dantutor.com and visit the website to access more of the free resources we give to the college coaching community. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast.